Hey, adventurers. This season is already over, but I thought I'd share with you one more story from Beyond the Grave. This is a little story I just shared over on the Halloween episode of the podcast Unorthodox. And since we know that all of you are super morbid, I thought you might like it too. Of course, it's very on brand for me to be here with you on a Jewish podcast on Halloween to talk about the dead. I got to admit, I never really understood why Halloween was supposed to be scary. Yom Kippur, now that is scary. God is deciding right now whether we should live or die right this minute while I'm trying not to think about eating a snack. Scary! Or how about Passover? The angel of death is coming to kill people's kids and we're going to ward it off by smearing the doorpost with animal blood. Disturbing. But on Halloween, we're supposed to be afraid of dead people. You know, like my grandparents, who I honestly wouldn't mind seeing again. Judaism is a tradition focused on this world, and it's also a tradition that's had more than its share of brushes with death. For Jews, being alive is the scary part, which makes it really hard to write a Jewish ghost story. But today I want to share with you a Yiddish story that pulled it off by turning the whole concept of a ghost story upside down. First, I want to tell you a little about its author, Ayel Peretz, or Yudlamid Peretz in Yiddish. He was one of the greatest Yiddish writers who ever lived, and he got there, obviously, by being a Polish lawyer. Peretz was born in a small town in Poland in 1852 and grew up in a traditional family, but he left that world as a teenager to become a lawyer for the Polish bar. He had this great career in this non-Jewish world until suddenly, in 1888, someone denounced him to the government and he was instantly disbarred. With no explanation, he suddenly lost his profession, his income, and even his home. Since he was broke and homeless, he wound up as a pawn in a rich person's bonkers idea. In 1890, Peretz got a job from a businessman named Jan Block, a rich Jew who had converted to Christianity in order to get ahead. Now that he was a Christian, Block had brilliantly figured out how to make people stop being anti-Semites. His brilliant idea was to send some chump to all the backwater towns in Poland to collect statistics about Polish Jews. Those statistics would prove how much Jews were contributing to Polish society. And then anti-Semites would stop hating Jews. Now all Bloch needed was a chump to send all over Poland to collect his Jewish statistics. That chump was Eyal Peretz. The expedition was a disaster and eventually Peretz got sent home by the Polish police. But Peretz returned from that disaster with a sack full of stories that he had collected from all the Jews he met along the way. Those stories gave him a new way of looking at the living and the dead and changed his mind about what was really terrifying about Jewish life. 
I'm going to share with you one of those stories, which I've abridged and adapted from translations by Helen Frank and Hillel Halkin. It's called The Dead Town. While I was traveling in the provinces, collecting Jewish statistics, I once met a Jew dragging himself step by step through the heavy sand. I felt sorry for him and I offered him a ride. Where are you from? I asked him. From the dead town, he answered. I thought he was joking. Where's that? I asked. Where? He smiled. Right here in Poland. The Poles don't know about it, but it's a real Jewish town. You don't believe me? We get a lot of visitors and no one ever comes away disappointed. Well, this is the first time I've ever heard of a dead town, I said. I suppose you're not from around here, he said. But it has everything a town needs, even two or three lunatics. We live quite respectably, I assure you. The gravediggers are never out of work. Was he joking, this dried up bag of bones? His unsmiling face was like yellowed parchment, and there was something odd about his voice. So why do you call it the dead town, I asked. Because it is a dead town. If you like, I'll tell you the whole story. Night was falling. Half the sky had turned blood red and fiery. In the other half, the moon swam out of a mist. It was uncanny. We drove into a forest. I glanced at my companion. His face seemed different, sad and serious. The town hung by a hair from the start, he said, because it was built in a place where no Jews were allowed to live. As soon as a minion of Jews had moved in, they built a whole town there against the law. Then they needed to hire someone to bribe the government to make sure no one kicked them out. Some rich Jew there had some pull with the authorities, so they put the whole town in his name and hired an agent to offer the bribe. But then the agent ran off with the money, and then the rich guy died. Then the government came to auction off the town property. That's when something happened that's not to be believed, except on a night like this, my passenger told me as he pointed at the moon. When it was time to auction off the cemetery, the government inspector went to see it before the sale. He put his foot in that holy place, and the dead heard he was there and panicked. The tombstones rocked, and that's when the corpses started coming out of their graves. Do you believe me? I'm no heretic, I said. I believe in the immortality of the soul, but... But what? My passenger asked. I always thought that only the soul survived, I said. The soul flies to the next world while the body decays, and the body can't move without the soul. Well said, he praised me. I'm glad you're an educated Jew. But, my friend, you have forgotten the world of illusion. You say the soul goes to the next world. Fine, but to which part? Some go straight to paradise, others to Gehenna. That's just a manner of speaking, but we're talking about reward and punishment, and... Why reward and punishment? Because so long as a person lives, he has choices. If he wants to do good, he does good. If he wants to do evil, he does evil. But what's the judgment for a person who 
slept away his life. A person who never did anything, nothing good or evil, because he never bothered to do anything at all. What about a person who never made any choices, who slept away his life and lived in a dream? What happens to a soul like that? Punishment? What for? It never hurt a fly. Reward? For what? It never even got its feet wet. So what happens to it, I asked. Nothing, my passenger said. It goes on living in a world of illusion. It never even leaves its body. Before it died, it was dreaming that it lived on the earth. Now it dreams that it lives in the earth. What's the difference? No one in our town ever really died because no one in our town ever really lived. No one did either good or evil. There were no sinners and no righteous, only daydreamers in a world of illusion. When such a daydreamer is laid in the grave, it goes right on daydreaming, just in different accommodations. For us, dying was pure comedy. Because if a feather was put under the nose of a live man, would he stir to brush it away? Nope. No one even swatted away flies. After a while, no one even worried about making a living. They gave up worrying about anything at all. There are actually a lot of towns like ours. When a corpse creeps out of its grave, it doesn't even remember that it died. It just goes straight home to supper, my passenger explained. I don't know if it was the moon's fault or if I was losing it, but I asked him, did all of the dead come out of their graves? Who knows, he said. Was anybody collecting statistics? Maybe there were a few heretics who thought it was the final resurrection and decided to stay put just to make a point. But there were definitely a lot of dead people. They rose from their graves and then ran to the nearest forest to get away from that government inspector. As soon as night fell, the corpses came back into the town. Each one went to his home, sneaked in through the door or the window or down the chimney, dressed himself, yawned, and then lay down somewhere to sleep. By the next morning, there was a whole town full of corpses. And what about the living, I asked. Eh, they never even noticed. What's the difference anyway between a dead alive person and a walking corpse? When a son saw his father, he spat three times and said, and here I dreamt that I already buried you and collected the inheritance. When a widow saw her husband, she slapped him for playing a prank on her. She had even wasted money on brand new shrouds. Eventually, the living began to die out since they needed things like air and food and the corpses took their places. Soon, the dead outnumbered the living. By now, they're the leaders of the community. They don't bring children into the world, but whenever anyone dies, they snatch that body out of the grave and then there's a fresh corpse in town. What more could they want? They have no worries and they're certainly not afraid of dying. Nothing bothers them at all because where do worries come from? From knowing. As it says in Ecclesiastes, the more knowledge, the more sorrow. The dead don't need to know anything. They wander in a world of illusion. They keep away from living concerns, so they have no questions, no doubts, no anxieties, no heartache. Our most prominent citizens, our philanthropists, our community leaders, all of them are long dead. 
long buried. And what about you, my friend? I asked. What are you? Me? I'm half dead, he answered. With that, he jumped out of my wagon and disappeared among the trees. Thanks for listening, my morbid friends. For more from that episode of Unorthodox and the rest of their episodes, just search for Unorthodox wherever you get your Adventures with Dead Jews.